Thanks for checking out the Oasis Church podcast from Camden, Arkansas. Each week we share the message from our Sunday worship service. Join us anytime. More information at camdenoasischurch.com. Amen. Let's give the worship team a hand. Just want to say a couple words before we get into the message this morning. Just say thank you for your prayers, uh, for us, one, traveling down here, but also for uh, this season that we're in in our life. I don't know, uh, many of you may know details or whatever, but the struggle with cancer is real. I'll just say it. Many of you have got family members. Many of you may have been through it. Um, but God is good. Amen. You know, that, that, that song, that's real. Um, the struggles we go through in life, but God is good. And, and I'm thankful to be able to stand before you today and proclaim God's word. And uh, just to carry on this season, I do want to uh, give a warning. Next week, Brother Billy's liable to be upset. Because uh, my head's just a little larger than his. And this thing may be a little stretched when he gets it back home next week. So uh, anyway, I love you, Brother Billy. But anyway, uh, if you have your Bibles, uh, I want you to turn to Matthew chapter 28. Uh, We're going to look at verses 19 and 20. And we're in this series, um, Core. We're talking about our core value, our mission statement. And... and, um, I believe in Matthew 28, 19, and 20, God gives every church the mission statement. In Matthew 28, 19, and 20, he shares with us, he says, Go therefore and make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I've commanded with you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. So this core series that we're in, last week we talked about one of our core values or our mission statement or our missions here as Oasis is that we connect people, we connect them to Jesus, and we connect them to the church to build relationships with one another. This week we're going to move into the next mission statement or next mission that we have, and that is grow to be like Jesus. And, uh, you know, I remember growing up... uh, just experiencing from a toddler, growing up through elementary school, high school, and then just, you know, you experience things in life as you grow. But one thing that I remember is just a few years ago that I had the opportunity, uh, Casey and I, we had Claire, our youngest one, our five-year-old, and I got the opportunity to go on a few of her checkup visits as she was growing, her well visits. And I remember the doctor saying, yes, she's at this height and this weight, and it, it, it measures along the average of this nationally. And so they kind of gave a measurement as to how Claire was growing. And I want us to look at that this morning. If we're going to grow to be like Jesus, then Jesus is our God. Okay? If we're, if we're going to grow to be like Jesus, then Jesus is our God. And some things that I, I think that I want you to see through today's message is this. That God's design for you is to continually grow. You know, never in life should we get to a point and say, well, I have arrived spiritually. I'm here. We should continually to grow as we live day to day. Uh, It happens differently for each of us, but growing to be like Jesus should be our ultimate goal. 
So we're going to discover a few things today, but one of our greatest joys at Oasis is to see people grow. You know, we see a, a first-time visitor come in, and they, uh, we greet them, we love on them. When we see them saved or accept Jesus Christ, that should be an excitement inside of us. And then to watch their growth as they grow from step to step in the church, man, we ought to just be excited about that. I mean, how excited were you when your children were growing up? Nobody was excited? Huh? Listen, when a child of God grows, that ought to excite us. You know, just as our own children, we get excited about them, we ought to be excited about people who grow in Jesus Christ. So I'm going to challenge you with a few things this morning. If we're going to grow to be like Jesus... We're going to need to be faithfully committed to a few things, okay? So if you're taking notes this morning, write this down. If you're going to grow to be like Jesus, we're going to need to be faithfully committed to, number one, worship service. I know this morning I may be preaching to the, not the fair weather fans, but the true worshipers, you know, or preaching to the choir. But I want to share with you this. In Acts 2, verses 42 through 47, I want you to turn there real quickly. Acts 2, 42 through 47. God's Word says this, And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship and the breaking of bread and the prayers And all came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were beginning to be done through the apostles. And all who believed together all had things in common, and they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together, they were breaking bread in their homes. They were received the food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. So in this passage here, there's a few things that I think we can learn, some things that we can be committed to the worship service. It's more than just being here. I will say this, though. But if you see that, number one, I want you to see is this. In this passage, they devoted themselves. Okay? They devoted themselves. What they devote themselves to? The apostles' teaching. The practice. You know, they practiced this. They didn't just gather to check something off the list. It wasn't something they said, okay, Sunday morning, boop, we went to church. It wasn't, but they devoted themselves. And this word devoted is a motive of a passion. It's, a, it's, it's of the heart. These people were excited about it. These people desired to meet. They were devoted to the teaching of God's word. You know, sometimes I, I have to do a check on myself and say, do I just go to church just to check it off the list? Or do I come here to truly hear what God wants me to hear? So first thing that we see, We need to be devoted to the worship service, but we need to check our heart out. You know, what's your reason in being here today? Was it because you had to serve in a ministry, or was it because you truly wanted to come and hear something from God today? The next thing we see is this, is that they were joyful. They were joyful because their focus was upon God. Their focus wasn't, oh, i got to go see this person at church today, or I needed to see this person. But their focus was upon God. They were joyful. They did not just go for the worship experience or the music. They went to experience God in worship. 
They were joyful. The next thing we see that they had, and if you're going to be committed to the worship service, it takes this. It takes humble attitudes. Whoa, it takes humble attitudes? What do you mean by that? It means putting others before themselves. It's kind of against what society teaches us today. You know, they didn't come to complain about the style of music or about, you know, the, the air was too cold or it was too hot or the preacher preached too long or, you know, they came with humble hearts and attitudes and they were in humility before God and others. Another thing we see is this. They had favor with all people. Not just the people in their service there, but if you study this word, all people, the people here refers to the people outside the church. The people that they were in contact with from day to day. In other words, unbelievers, okay? They had favor with unbelievers, and God used their joyful witness and their attitudes from being in that worship service. He used that to reach unbelievers. And the incredible result we see in verse 47 was this. Watch this. And every day the Lord added to the number those who are being saved. So let me share with you. You growing to be like Jesus by being committed to worship service, you never know you will have an impact on someone's life being saved. You say just by being committed to worship service, just your faithfulness and being committed to a worship service can make a difference. And we're going to see that in just a minute. So... Uh, so how can I make certain that I'm truly committed here? How can I make certain that I'm committed to worship service, that I'm committed to being here? There's a few things I want to share with you in this is how can I turn the focus away from me and up on God? Because a lot of times when we come to church, I feel like we come and we come kind of as a judge, you know? We come and, and we judge, well, so-and-so looked like this, so-and-so spoke too loud, so-and-so did this, you know? And, and we come and judge so some things that can help you turn away from the me and, to the, and from the I and to Christ is this. Um, few things. One, make a commitment that you will attend service. And it's just that simple, okay? Make a commitment that you're going to attend service. It's amazing of how and when we give something priority in our lives, what a difference it can make. If you make the worship service here on Sundays a priority, you'd be surprised at what God will do in your lives and what God wants to do. You know, some of us, we may have neglected that priority of corporate worships growing up or whenever earlier in our life. But this thing is what I want to share with you is this. Anything and everything can become an excuse of not to attend. It's easy to do that. Oh, it's raining. I can't go. You know? But we go to a set in the rain in a football game, you know, but we can't come sit in a dry place here and worship. So be careful about that. Any and everything can become an an excuse of not to attend. Let me give you this challenge. See what happens when sports entertainment and vacations have a lower priority than your corporate worship does. See what happens in your life when you move the worship service up and all the other needs down. See what happens when you make a firm commitment to God that you're going to attend weekly the worship services of God. It's that simple. Just make a choice that I'm going to be there. I'm going to be there when the doors open. The next thing is this. Pray before you attend worship service. 
hold on, Brother Michael, do what? You're just I just need to show up, you know? I can't pray. I challenge you to do this. Pray before. Pray the night before you even start to be here. Saturday night, start praying. God, I pray for the worship service tomorrow. I pray for the music. I pray for the sound. I pray for the, for the, uh, for the guest who's not even here yet, for the people that's going to be there. Pray for those people, you know. Pray that your family is not going to have a conflict on the way to church, you know. Those are some things that you can pray for before you ever even get here. And then as you enter the worship service, the next thing is this. Pray as you come into the worship service. When you pray, when you do that, once again, what you're doing is you're putting your heart and your attitude in a humble spirit and saying, God, it's not about me. It's about you. The reason we come here today, the reason we come is not about me. It's about you. That's what it means to grow to be like Christ when we can give up our needs and wants and we give them clearly to Christ. Finally, pray for this as you come through those doors. Pray for all distractions to be removed. I can guarantee you Evan was telling me this morning that it's been a crazy morning, you know? But you guys wouldn't recognize it from what they were saying this morning. It was wonderful, you know? But just what it took through and how the devil was working to, to distract things this morning, pray for them as you come into the service, as you walk through those doors, as you get out of your car, be a person of prayer as you come in. And finally, in this section of being committed to worship service, <laughs> I laugh at this, but it's true. Pray that I will be a worshiper and not a judge. Okay? Pray that I will be a worshiper and not a judge. Too many times we leave worship service as if we just judged an Olympic event. You know? We'll give the pastor a seven for his sermon. We'll give the worship leader a six for the music. Or we'll give the people in the, in the worship a three because they didn't scoot down and let me sit down. You know, that's the way we are. But God is just saying this. Pray that I'll be a worshiper and not a judge. Leave the judgmental to, to God. Let him have that, you know. Jesus is wanting us to be worshipers, and he's wanting true worshipers, and that's what he desires. In this passage, I'm not sure I've got this on the screen or not, but John 4, 21, do, do I have that on there? Yeah, there it is. It's kind of small. But listen to what Jesus is wanting from us. Jesus said to her, Woman, believe me, the hour is coming when neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem will you worship the Father. You worship what you do not know. We worship what we know, for salvation is from the Jews. But the hour is coming, and it is here now, when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For watch this. For the Father is seeking such people to worship Him. God is spirit, and those who worship Him must worship Him in spirit and in truth. This is what it boils down to. God just wants you to be real with Him. You know, I'm not saying come in here and be fake. Come in here and be real. Come in here and be honest. But be committed to the service so we can grow and be like Jesus. So if we're going to grow to be like Jesus, not just be committed to the worship service, but here's another thing we need to be committed to, and that is small group. Okay? Small group. I think small groups here meets on Wednesday nights. Is that right, Brother Bobby? 
Okay? Small group meets on Wednesday night here. And God's Word tells us in Proverbs 27 and verse 17, it says, As iron sharpens iron, one man sharpens another. God uses small groups. And we cannot effectively, as a believer, be in isolation. God didn't create you to just be all by yourself. God didn't create you just to experience just worship service. He has other places that he wants you to grow to be like him, and that is in small groups. And so you ask, well, why is small groups so powerful today in the local churches? Small groups has been a part of church for history. You know, we may have called it different. We may have called it Sunday school. We may have called it WMA, Brotherhood, or whatever, but it's all been small groups. Okay? It's all been an area of small groups. And so you ask me this, why are small groups so powerful in local churches? There's four factors I believe that small groups are, are a factor of, and this is. Number one, the relationship factor. Going to get deep here just a minute, but hold with me. If you're not in a group, you're not really committed to your church. Did you just say that? Okay. But I come every Sunday. Yeah, but this is what it takes you to grow with your church and to grow to be like Jesus. If you're not in a group, you are at best a marginal church member. If you're not in a group, the likelihood of you dropping out of church is high. Statistics say this. If you're not in a group, you will most likely, after five years, be gone. If you don't make a connection and get involved in a group, most likely within five years you're going to be gone. It means this. It means that you are unwillingly to grow spiritually if you don't get in a group together with other Christians. And if you think the long range of Christianity is acceptable to God, you need to read that New Testament again and share that it's like this. God wants us to grow together. Okay, Forsake not the assembly of those as some are in the habit of doing. God doesn't want us to be alone. He wants us to grow together. The next fifth factor in small groups is this, the ministry factor. There is great ministry potential in small groups. I believe it's a place where real ministry takes place. You know, I, I said, well, go. I remember when Claire was born and we came home from the hospital. Our small group that we were in at that time as we were in the central location, uh, they, they took turns and they fixed a meal for us. For two weeks, we, we had a meal nearly every night that was brought to us when we had Claire. I also remember a time when, uh, when we was in the hospital for, uh, for my cancer as we were staying there. And some of the small group members would come... <laughs> we may be in the dark here in a minute. As some of the small group members came and they would encourage us and be with us and pray with us. But I can share this with you. And you may have had the same experience. It's been in those small groups to where you've made meaningful relationships with people. There is opportunities for ministry when you're involved in a small group. And that's what God wants for us. The next thing is this. I want us to see the next factor is the teaching factor. I believe there's opportunity to be taught and to be teaching others in small groups. Learning truths about Scripture can take place in different venues, okay? And we see that. Just like here today we're learning about Christ, just like here today we're learning about Him and the preaching of God's Word. And we're not neglecting this in small groups, but it's another way that we grow to be like Jesus, okay? And we see this that in the... Uh, 
2 Corinthians 2.12, Paul writes this, When I came to Troas to preach the gospel, the Lord opened the door for me. When we sent into the preaching of the word, we're learning the truth of Scripture taught by a preacher. It's one of the key concepts and the key ways that we have for corporate worship. One of the most common values is to learn the Bible in a smaller group. I don't know, you know, how experienced and how much you've learned growing from one another. But when you hear someone say, you know what, I read this this week in my Bible study with God, and it really meant this to me, and God used this to me. And as I was suffering, uh, let me just share this with you. I can share with you about um, November two years ago, not, not quite two years, about 18 months ago, when I found out the cancer that I had was inoperable, Okay, and then it's not treatable by IV chemo. I knew, I thought, I'm going to die. And I sunk to a low spot. But it was my small group that came around me and poured their hearts to God in prayer for me. And it was at that time that God began to put a peace in my heart. And God said, it's going to be okay. Okay, number one, because you're not alone. You're not going to go through this alone. I didn't create you to go through this alone. I created you to go through this with believers in Christ. And that's what God wants. There's opportunities for us to grow in that ministry. And then the last thing about small groups I want us to see is something called the evangelism factor. There's an opportunity for you to be evangelistic through a small group. And and I'll just share this real quickly with you. It's kind of just an illustration. I'm not going to read it. But... um, There's opportunities, even though you're an introvert and you say, I can't share the gospel. I can't share the, I can't be a witness for Christ. You can. And you know how you can? You can by inviting people to your small group. There's an illustration about a man named Robert. Okay. And Robert was an introvert and he thought, I cannot be a witness for Christ, but I'll be faithful to my small group. And through small group, he got to grow in Christ. And he met a man by the name of Gene. And he would eat lunch with Gene once a week. And Gene was a very well eloquent speaker. And he, at lunch, Gene could take a conversation like this with a waiter and share with her the gospel. Well, Robert thought, man, I wish I could do that. And he tried, and he tried, and he failed when he tried. But he didn't quit. You know, he didn't quit. You know what he did? One day, him and his neighbor were talking across the fence. And he said, you know what? Just to keep both of us from being in an uncomfortable situation, I want to share something with you. I want to invite you to a small group of mine. Our men meet on Tuesday morning at the church at 6 o'clock. I want to invite you. You know, matter of fact, you know a lot of those men there in that group. I just want you to come and and, uh, be a part of that. Someone keep me posted on that, Bobby, if something's going on, okay? Um, but, but this is what happened, okay? Robert, an introvert, didn't think that he could be an evangelistic person. But through his small group, watch this, he invited his neighbor. And his neighbor came to small group. And his neighbor got plugged in. And his neighbor then brought his wife and his two daughters to the church and got plugged in. And because of Robert inviting that man to small group, 
Four people are going to be in heaven because of that, because they received Jesus Christ. But hang on, Robert was an introvert who thought he could never share the gospel, but he could invite someone to the small group. So listen, small groups can be evangelistic, and small groups is a place where we grow. Um, You say, why do small groups matter? Small groups do matter in the church, and this is the reason. First, the health of the church is directly tied to the health of the groups, the small groups of the church. However you grow small, the way your church is going to grow corporately. Second thing is this. Second, uh, groups in the church help close the back door. What do you mean? Okay, You remember what ago I told you that usually in about five years, if you don't get plugged into a small group, those people leave the church. But once you get plugged into a small groups, it's five times more likely that you're going to be faithful to the church. Five times more likely that you're going to grow in Christ. Five times more likely you're going to share the gospel with someone. So it kind of helps close the back door there. Third thing is this. Why do small groups matter? As a church member, we should be committed to be a part of small groups My iPad's cutting up. Let me be clear with you. If you're not in a small group, you cannot be fully committed to your church is what what we're sharing here. So are you committed? Are you committed to being here on Wednesday night to the small groups? Because it's in that circle that you can grow. It's in that circle that you begin to learn about other people in the church and know, hey, I'm not alone in what I'm going through. I don't have to go through this alone. I don't know what you're facing. I know what I'm facing in my life day to day, but only you know what you're facing. But other people in your group can minister to you. Other people can help you grow there. The last thing about small groups is this. Everyone should be inviting others to the group. It's that simple. You know, invite someone to your small group on Wednesday night. They're just going to sit at home if you don't. Okay? They're going to turn on the TV or flip through Facebook or something. So two ways we grow to be like Jesus is we see in the worship service and then we see through small groups. Third thing I want to share with you real quickly is this. We serve, we grow to be like Jesus by serving in ministry. And this is key with Oasis. Our, our, our grow, growing to be like Jesus is getting people plugged into a ministry. One of our prayer goals, and I'm not sure if you remember, but we got these, uh, these tent cards earlier on in the year. Um, and on those tent cards, there were prayer, grow, prayer grows for us to be praying for this year. And one of them is this, that 85% of people who attend service connect on a ministry team. Get moved from, from, from just attending to serving. Our core value states this. Saved people serve people. Saved people serve people. It's about exercising your gifts. And, and you know this, I'm not saying work for your salvation. We see in Ephesians 2, 8, and 9, God's word says this, that you've been saved through faith Okay, And this is not of your own doing. It is a gift of God. Not as a result of works. You don't work for your salvation. It's a gift that God gives you. But watch this. In verse 10, he goes on to say, you are created for his workmanship. You were created in Christ Jesus for good works. You weren't created to just occupy a seat here on Sunday. God's got something that he created you to do. And so we challenge you here at Oasis to get involved in ministry, okay? We challenge you not to just fulfill a seat, but to get plugged in in a ministry. There's many ministry opportunities. You say, well, I can't do anything. Oh, I bet you can. God's got a lot. 
And there's a lot of places I bet that could be filled in. Some of the areas that just we have for opportunities for ministry here. Connection team. Who serves on a connection team here? Raise your hand. Anybody? God bless you. These are key people, okay? Whether it be your hospitality team or your host team, but the connection's kind of the face of people as they come into the church, okay? These are the people that you meet, and it's very important because, you know, if we don't have that connection team and the worship team's practicing, the sound team's doing their thing, the children's workers are having to get ready, and we have nobody back there to greet our guests, today's statistics say those people most of the time will not return, it's key. Your connection team is a key is a key ministry in the church. Children's welcome. Who works children's welcome and sign in here? Anybody? Thank you for your service. How about uh, who works in the children's ministries? There's children's elementary. There's children's nursery. There's children's preschool. Who's been working there? Listen, it's great. It's great to see your hands. How about youth ministry? How about generosity? Who helps take the offering and who helps do the counting? Okay, great. How about visual tech and creative sound ministry? Who's, you, who's helped serve in that ministry? How about this ministry, worship ministry? You serve on the worship team, you play an instrument. How about this one, small groups? Okay, good to see you. Good to see you in actively serving in a ministry here. If you did not get to raise your hand, I want to share with you something that we have here, something called First Serve, okay? It's kind of like a ministry trial. It's kind of like being able to kick the tires on, on a new car to make sure that it's okay. You're kicking the tires on a ministry. We don't necessarily say, okay, we're going to plug you in a ministry and you've got to serve there for life. We give you an opportunity to try out a ministry, to kind of shadow a ministry to see if this is where God wants you to serve. And if it's not, it's okay, there's other places that you can try and see and find out where it is that God wants you to serve. I remember growing up in church, um, I remember our children's worship leader. I feel like from the time that I was wee little until the time I graduated high school and left the church, she was the children's worker. And I don't think one Sunday was she ever able to come into the worship service and be ministered to. Listen, that's, that's important. But, but we offer something called first serving. It's kind of a trial to see, hey, can I serve and help in this ministry? And if it, if it is, then yes, we're not going to ask you to commit to life. We're going to ask you to serve that ministry for six months. And at the end of those six months, if you feel like this is not where you're supposed to be, then we give you an opportunity to get out and find another ministry. And that's a great thing. It's called first serve. And, and we offer that. And we, we want you to be in, involved in a ministry because we know when you're plugged into a ministry, you're growing to be like Jesus. And the last thing I want to share with you is this. If we're going to grow to be like Jesus through the worship service and through small groups, one of the most important ways that we grow to be like Jesus is by being in his word. By being in his word. Psalms 119 and verse 105 says, Your word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. So many of us walk down a dark path and we don't know which way to turn. And the reason we don't know is because we don't have God's flashlight helping us light our path. We don't spend time in God's word. Psalms 119 verse 11 says, I've hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. So what are you using? How do you study God's Word? 
Are you one of those who just says, oh, that's what I'm studying today? We give an opportunity here at Oasis and through all of our ministries. I know you may have heard this, but I'm going to share it with you real quickly. You ever heard of the SOAP study method? Anybody ever heard of that? Please shake your head. Yes. I want to share with you real quickly what the SOAP study method is. And it's a real easy, okay? The word S-O-A-P, the letters stand for this. The first S stands for scripture. And what it means is this, is you take a scripture. Maybe you're going to read through the, through the, uh, through the book of Matthew in a month's time. Well, you set that up in, in those scriptures on a daily basis. And what you do is you take that daily Bible reading and you read it through thoughtfully and prayerfully. You highlight, you circle, you underline what that means to you. Okay? So you take a scripture. That's the S. The O stands for this, observation. You look back through that scripture and you make a note of observations that you make about these passages or verses. What did, you, what did it say to you? What did I learn What is this passage saying to me? What is God saying to me through this passage? That's the observation part. And then the A is called the application. Okay? The A is application. And it means how will I take the scripture that I'm reading today and how will I put it into practice today? Not wait till Sunday, but how can I put this passage into practice in my life today? And then we end it with P, which stands for prayer. How do I respond to God in prayer through this passage of what I just read the scripture, observed, and applied? How can I put this into prayer? I thank him for his word. I ask him to give me discipline in this area so I can walk closer to Christ. I take my needs and my wants and my desires to him, and I grow to be like Christ. I'm not saying soap is the only method you can use There's many different methods. Some of you have a daily Bible reading that you may already be on. Some of you may use the YouVersion app on your phone. There's many devotionals and guides that you can use in there and reading guides. You can actually uh, customize a reading guide in there where you say, like I said, well, God, I want to read through the book of Matthew in a month's time. Well, you punch it in there and it will give you these are the verses that you need to read. There's many opportunities and methods, but the key is this, that you will be committed to studying and reading God's word. That's how we grow to be like Jesus. And in Joshua 1.8, God's word says this, study this book of instructions continually, meditate on it day and night so that you will be sure to obey everything written in it. Only then will you prosper and seed in all you do. God's word is important. You want to be and grow to be like Jesus? This is the mirror of Jesus. This is what it looks like to grow to be like Jesus When you start reading and studying God's Word, you begin to live and act like God's Word. When you're faithfully committed to the worship service, you grow to be like Jesus. When you're committed to small groups, you can grow to be like Jesus. When you're committed to serving in a ministry, you're looking like Jesus because Jesus came to serve. He didn't come to be served. And then when you're committed to God's Word, you grow to be like Jesus. What area are you struggling today? What area do you struggle in? Maybe it's, maybe it's being committed to worship service. Maybe it's that you come here every Sunday and it just doesn't meet up because you're a judge instead of a worshiper. 
Maybe it's that this, that, that you don't do anything on Wednesday nights, that you don't even come be a part of a small group. Listen, you do that eventually, you're going to disenchant yourself. You're going to come dissatisfied. Because God created us to strive for fellowship with one another. And that's a way we grow. Maybe you're not plugged into ministry here yet. Maybe you're like, you know, God's wanting me to do something. Maybe God wants you to try first serve today. Or maybe God wants you to be in his word more than you are. I don't know where you're at. But as we said earlier in this message, we should never stop growing to be like Jesus. As long as we're on this earth, we should continually grow and grow. So hold a mirror up this morning. When you look at yourself in the mirror, do you see Jesus? Are you growing to be like Jesus? I ask you to bow your heads and close your eyes real quick with me. If you're here this morning and you say, you know what? I need to be more committed. I need to be more committed to the worship service. I need to be more committed to my small group. I need to get plugged in in a ministry. I need to be more committed to the Bible and studying of God's Word. If that's you here today and you're saying, God, I, I just need to be closer and I need to grow closer to you today. If that's you, real quickly, just lift up your hands so I know who I can pray for today. Thank you. Thank you. You've put your hands down. Thank you. Let me share this with you real quickly. You can never grow to be like Jesus if you've never turned your life over to Him. If you've never made a commitment and a relationship with Jesus Christ and say, God, I surrender my life to You and I receive You as my Savior. If you've never done that in your life, then you can't look like Jesus without a personal relationship. If you're here this morning and that's you who said, I I need to be saved. I've never had a relationship with Jesus Christ. All eyes are closed and no one's looking around. I'm not going to call you to the front this morning. I'm not going to point you out. I just want to know that I can be praying for you. If that's you this morning, please just slip your hand up and say, I've never received Jesus Christ. Thank you. Put your hand down. I want to challenge you this morning. If you will, stand with us. We're about to have an invitation time. If God's challenged you to grow closer to Him this morning, whether it be through the worship service, through small groups, through ministry, or through just being in the Word of God. If you feel like you need to grow closer to Christ, the altar's open this morning. You can come and you can pray, or you can pray where you're at. But make this time a time that you will grow closer to Christ today through His Word. God, thank you for today and thank you for this message. Thank you for using it to speak to my heart. Lord, in so many of these areas, I need to be growing closer to you. God, use this time of invitation today as we worship you. In your name we pray. Amen.